We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Name More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Wednesday morning. It's January 3rd, and I've got Jace Frederick here from the Pioneer Press. Wolves play the Pelicans this evening, and it's another game against a big opponent, which has just been an interesting time in the schedule, Jace, where the Wolves, these last few games they played, uh, the Knicks, and before that, they played the Lakers, two, two bigger teams, Pelicans big as well tonight. And then kind of right before that, they play Dallas, uh, the Thunder, and the Kings, three teams who kind of play smaller, faster, more like not weak necessarily, but their their goal is not to out-physical you. Their goal is to kind of beat you with speed and and the size that they have. And I think it's interesting because, you know, the Wolves lose to one of those bigger teams uh, in the Knicks and they beat the Lakers, uh, another big team. They lose to the Thunder, a small team, but they beat the Kings. And I just I remember thinking after the Lakers game just to myself, I'm like, what what is what's best for this team right now? And I don't think I really know the answer to that. And I don't think you need to know that. Maybe we'll figure that out with time. But I'm trying to figure out what the advantage is. Uh, and disadvantages are for this team versus a bigger team uh, and and a smaller team. So I wanted to to start with that today. But first, hi, how are you? Happy happy Wednesday. Oh, happy Wednesday. I was wondering if I got to talk on this podcast. No, we're, uh, uh, uh. we're 100 seconds in and it's been the Dane Moore. I guess it is called the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Don't stop. Don't let me stop. you. <laughs> This was like Jason Britt had a little fight in the scrum yesterday when we were at practice. And Britt and Jace both have very loud voices when we interview the players and coaches. So I always wait till the end. And uh, you guys just both right at each other. And Finch, Finch called you out on it, Jace. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, that was, that was, um, I mean, Britt is, I'm, I'm actually impressed. I think I might be the first person who's ever like Britt started talking <laughs> and I talked. And Britt stopped talking. Yeah. Usually, like, and the, the thing is, because Britt can't really hear. Like, so my voice is loud, and I'm right next to him. Yeah. So, like, when Britt starts talking and I start talking, he actually heard me talking. We're mm-hmm. like, we have some pretty legendary, like, post-game scrums where so somebody's nice. asking a question, but they're on the other side of the scrum. Britt can't hear him at all. So Britt starts asking a question, and he's just going. 
like and and the two people, they might be both going for like three or four seconds but yeah. it's not going to stop because he can't hear the other person talking right. so it's it's pretty legendary so i felt pretty good that he's that you talking, won that he's seated to me yeah which is i don't think <laughs> ever it just goes do you always do this chase <laughs> yeah, I was like, go, go listen to the everybody go listen to the the, the yeah, it's on YouTube. Practice. It's somewhere. It's somewhere it's, on there. It's on the Wolves YouTube page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyways, would you would you like to talk about the Timberwolves or or no? You're, no, you're... I would love to. Okay, I'd love to. Yeah, okay. I was just waiting for you to be done. Yes, yes. So my my thinking is, let's just go through it. Um, advantages versus big teams. Disadvantages versus big teams. Should we start there? You're playing sure. a big team. Um, what are the advantages? And I actually, the first one I wrote down is is one that. You've been very on for for a long time, particularly with Cat. Um, it's just the ability when Cat is guarded by a center, uh, he can cook that. And oftentimes that's what's happening when you're playing a bigger team, right? It's two traditional bigs. I was just kind of like looking at it. The, the some of the best performances uh, that the Wolves have had this year are against teams with uh, with two traditional bigs. So Cat's just kind of in that position to be able to blow by the guy that is guarding him. So that's, that's one of the, that, that I had that I'm sure I'm stealing from you. Yeah. That's, I had that as well. It always like, it's, if people play it traditionally, it works out like that. Right. Like, and then it's just, but then you have like the Pelicans um, tonight and we'll see who plays for them and whatnot. Second half of a back-to-back and play that many minutes, but that doesn't often matter for like, if you're going to play or not. Um, But it's, it's like, Certain guys, like if you stay big, then Cat can kind of cook it. But then, like the Pelicans can kind of go like a oh, a Trey Murphy or Herb Jones, and kind of do the wing thing and and slide off on other people. So like that one is, I think at its core, very traditional sense, a big advantage for Cat is like when he can be guarded by centers. That's really good for him. I just some teams have kind of switched off of that either way. Like yeah. they won't really allow it to happen. It, we always note like when it does happen, right? We're like, why are they? You know. Why, why is, why are they doing this? What is, why is this the choice that they're, they're choosing to have there? Because I mean, to Cat's credit, I think he's gotten even better at it over time and, and he doesn't, and now it's kind of like when he sees it, he knows he salivates, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's going at it. Finally. Not, yeah. It's, it's not in the, like, I'm going to get a charge sort of way. It's like, I'm going to, I'm actually going to get around you. And it's the, if you just, I don't know. I'm sure if we just pulled up like cat highlights from this year, the majority of them would have a, bigger slower footed player behind him uh that 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 he's blown by there so that that's kind of the main one i i think for 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 this team uh, and then nas i would throw into that too like he can also kind of take advantage of some of those uh bigger bigger front courts there what what else did you uh what else do you have i put in there that like certain guys like rudy can kind of neutralize um mm-hmm. it's it was, it was kind of because t- like it's like big versus small, but it so often does depend on like the actual personnel um, and, yeah. and what the teams do. Like you can be big, but do you play through your bigs? Um, are your mm-hmm. bigs just like a rebounding size thing? Yeah. I think it's like when you have like a traditional big, like a Valanchunas uh, or somebody like that, like he's, he's relentless, but like that's where like a, if he's trying to be aggressive, like going at Rudy, I think that's advantage wolves, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like you'll take that over other things. So that's, that's what I put in there is like it, if that is a strength of the other team, then Rudy's a pretty good neutralizer for it. I I just did simple rank of best defensive rating performances uh, of the season for the Wolves, and it's all against big teams. Miami, that game where they started Kevin Love, uh, also next yep. to Bam, went double big. And Bam had a hard, you know, like he yep. scored, but it was a lot of tough shots. 
that was the best defensive rating game for the Wolves defensive game of the season. Denver, it's also double big. Uh, Utah was the next best after that. Uh, New Orleans was was another good one. I think that was the no Zion messy. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. But in yeah. general, like a team with mm-hmm. still a a big ethos. And then Valanciunas uh, might have still played in that game. I think he did. Think yeah, he yeah. Did. It was like did. it was yeah. like Valanciunas and Bi and and that was about it. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I I think that does you know bear out generally that the the Wolves to your point can guard other big teams well. I, I don't I don't go into a matchup against a big team super concerned about it unless now what is kind of coming up and maybe this is a way to transition into disadvantages versus a big team is this Randall and Zion idea that's really right. has been interesting right the, these last few games is what is the best way to match up with and slow down for the Timberwolves a big playmaking scoring for like Julius Randall or or Zion Williamson and I think right now we probably put that in the, as a disadvantage for the Wolves versus a big team is being able to to guard that. What did you just kind of? I mean, we haven't talked since the Knicks game. Um, what what do you, what do you think about that idea and tonight against Zion too? Like, how can or can this team slow down that type of scoring for? Yeah, what's tough is like I don't think those guys are not necessarily like just trying to get to the rim on you um you know like so it's not like you're just like carl can defend them and then they feed into rudy like mm-hmm. zion certainly would doesn't mind getting to the rim julius Randle doesn't mind getting to the rim but like they're also very comfortable in like the eight foot range or so so like rudy doesn't have to like they can kind of just avoid rudy um and that might make their shots a little bit tougher but so basically though what it comes down to is rudy doesn't necessarily super involved in the play and it's just kind of is like it's a lot of one-on-one like zion versus whoever Julius Randall versus cat, you know, and like if cats like the one-on-one defender for a lot of these things, like he might force him into a tougher shot, but still like, it's just not, it's maybe like your worst defender on the floor um, mm-hmm. who's getting attacked relentlessly. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the bigger challenges of it. Like, cause I don't think you're going to put Rudy on Julius Randall, you know, like I just, uh, he's going to bring him out. He's going to pull him out to the yeah. perimeter, you know, like, and Zion is going to, do the same thing and then probably then drive at him with a full head of steam. And that's just not like Rudy can handle that, but you don't want that possession after possession. Um, so I think it's just like the, it's just the wolves don't have not having a traditional power forward outside of Kyle Anderson. And like, it puts them in an awkward in between yeah. with those types of guys. Um, there's no like natural fit outside of like a Kyle Anderson. Um, so then it, it just looks a little clunky. Sometimes it's like, well, we don't have the perfect guy out here to guard Zion. These guys are too small. Cats a little too like slow footed. Um, and that's just, you just kind of left in between a lot. Yeah, no, you just you put it right. It's like they just, the wolves don't have a four, right? Like, and so to to that end, the the matchup there or in the in the starting lineup, right? I mean, how how would you go about guarding Zion tonight? I mean, I think you and I touched with Carl. Yeah, I mean, I probably would just stick with Carl. Like even like Julius Randall, it's it is some tougher shots and whatnot. Like, and and they're usually things you can live with. And yeah, they might go off, but like. There's shots that you can live with um, in general, and it kind of keeps, if you're doing it right, you can keep your defensive integrity everywhere else. Um, I'd probably go with Carl when he's out there on the court. I'd match his minutes with Kyle Anderson as much as physically possible. Um, and then, I don't know, like, if I needed to stop at the end of the game, like, you and I have touched on this, like, just Ant. casually chatting, like, Ant, yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't want Ant to sit there and have to, like, take the brunt of Julius Randle and Zion Williamson for 35 minutes, you know, like. It's but I don't mind him guarding him the last, like, 40 last seconds. Last five minutes. Quarter. Yeah, it's sure, like, yeah, right. For sure, the last possession. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, it's going to be, like, this ISO, like, Ant's your biggest 
like physical mm-hmm. body who loves just like absorbing the hit, you know, right. like and, and bodying you up like that in like key situations, I would say for sure um, mm-hmm. would be Ant would be your best one to stand up physically and kind of stonewall these guys, frankly, like he's just like yeah. he's got the best body for it. I I think like a, an argument against it being Carl or another disadvantage for the Wolves against big teams is I think it's more likely that Carl gets in foul trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, he's guarding Zion Williamson, right? He's probably, I mean, I don't know, more likely than not, Carl will be go to the bench at some point tonight with, with foul trouble due to, due to his matchup and other elements of his game. And I, I don't know. I, I think, I think if the Jokic thing, the Wolves do where they put Carl on Jokic and have Rudy double, we, we're giving, we think that's going to now work against, a lot of others. And right. I think that like the different players, there's such different players. And, and Aaron Gordon, who Rudy's lurking off of in that situation is such a different player than Isaiah Hartenstein for, for the Knicks or Jonas Valanciunas um, for, for the Pelicans. And I think anything about it, like Gordon is closer to like, a, and he's not the same offensive player, but like if like, say when he was yeah. in Orlando or something, he was closer to a Julius Randall sure. than, uh, than those yeah. other guys. It, exactly. It, it's, I, I think, and I, and I went like hand raised, went into the Denver series, disagreed with that strategy of putting Carl on Jokic. I didn't think that was the right idea. It was, and if the Wolves play the Nuggets in the in the playoffs again this year, I'll say that's what they should do because we've seen it. We've seen that have success in the playoffs and in the regular season. But I, I think, and obviously this could just be overreaction of the moment of the. Julius Randle had a really good game <laughs> against against Carl, but I I don't think that that should be the go to. I in my opinion, I don't think that should be the go to matchup there. I know we talked to you know Rudy and Finch about this at practice yesterday, and they're like, it's actually we're guarding this guy with five players and all that, and and I get that, and maybe they need to get back to some more of that. But yeah, in the in the starting lineup, not that Carl's having a bad defensive year, but he's probably your fifth best defender in right. in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm not and, trashing Carl when I'm saying that. It's yeah, just, no, you have it's, four good defensive players. He's having his him. best defensive year of his career, right. and I and I I think about that. I get all that. Uh, it just I'm just being honest. When it, when there's any game, and I go down and I write down what my matchups are for the beginning of the game, and I go, okay, Carl on Giannis. Okay, Carl on Zion. Okay, Carl. I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and I don't, and I don't know. I think that they're still figuring some of that stuff out. Uh, I I think it would, there'd be some advantages to have some more like congruency of like, okay, this was weird. Now Gobert guarded Sabonis in this game, the primary big, or he guarded Embiid, the primary big in that game. Then you're, it just feels like to me, like a big shift then to have, Carl guard Zion or, or Randall. So I don't know. It mostly what I'm saying is it's something to track right now. I think a disadvantage that this team has against big teams is when they have to guard a true scoring four, and maybe that'll be uh prove out differently tonight. Maybe, maybe Carl will do a, a good job on Zion and Rudy will help there too. But um, that's, that's what I have found for, for disadvantages versus a big team. Yeah, I agree. And the Julius Randall thing, like, I think he was not very good at target center, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he's just kind of a, 
Yeah. He, he takes a lot of tough shots and sometimes it's going to make them and a lot of times it's going to miss them. And like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's such a volume game for him. So like, I don't read too much into that one, but like the Zion game stuck out um, from the Pelicans in new Orleans. Um, yeah. And, and we'll see if it, that happens again tonight. If there's like more data, then that mm-hmm. would give you an even better idea, frankly, of like whether something will or won't work. Um, but I just think like, what would your plan be for Zion in terms of like when, when it is Rudy and Carl, because if you put Rudy on Zion, like, Valentunas is not a good matchup for Cat either. Um, yeah, he's super physical. Like he's. I mean, but, but that's what we're, we're we're choosing a less bad matchup for Carl. I I don't know. I mean, at least Carl has guarded Valentunas before. Yeah, it's probably just like more. He's guarded an offensive rebounding five more than he's defended. I don't think it's court. gone well for Carl in the past when he guards Valentunas. Um, if, if just trying to think back in my mind, because uh, like those Memphis games and whatnot, like they did not go very well because yeah. Valanciunas would dominate those matchups generally. And then, and then if you have Zion pulling Rudy away um, too, like now it's kind of jeopardizing the entire defense and your scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think I think that this is a tough one in general. Uh, yeah. And like I said, you, you know, we could get in the afternoon like zion's out and it's like well this is a fun conversation for future games uh but but it could be the playoff matchup that's that's no, what right, i'm thinking right about. no like, i agree i agree be, i agree be the first round playoff match yeah it's something to watch so it's it's another one of those where it's like please just play pelicans like even yeah. from the second half of back-to-back just play so we can right. learn yeah. things and have an enjoyable matchup you know like right. at the end of the day it doesn't matter if Timberwolves are 25 and 8 and 24 and 9 like can you just give us something to watch that's like we can get learn things from and is entertaining um you know, like, but I, I think this is just a really hard one. Um, yeah. They just don't have like a perfect, like a Zion matchup, frankly, because, and you can't even say like Jaden, cause that wouldn't work anyway, physically, but somebody has to guard Ingram as well. But I, like, Hey, I'm not a, actually against just that either. That might be in the moment right now. What my answer is, is I would throw, I'd throw a lot of different things at Zion. Sure. I sure. think I would throw Jaden at him at, at times. I'd throw Cat at him. I'd throw Rudy. I'd throw Ant. I, that, I think that would be, uh, my answer. Let me uh, quickly speaking of the Pelicans game, and I forgot to mention this. So this is going to be a very last minute thing, but we have two tickets to give away uh, from the Genesis <laughs> company to tonight's game against the Pelicans. <laughs> so once this posts and you are hearing and listening to this ad break, uh, reach out and send us a me- message at patreon.com slash at Dane Moore NBA is our way of Thanking you guys for listening. It's the turn of the new year. I didn't look at the January tickets yet. So please, uh, we're, we're going to send somebody to the game tonight. So right now, pause the podcast and uh, request <laughs> or put your name in the mix. And I'll, I'll pick somebody tonight. Did last minute, we'll, we'll get you there uh, to the game. We have a bunch of tickets to give away through the month of January. Um, and we're giving those away to Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Dane Moore, MBA. Um, Your chances yeah. of getting them have never been higher. No, literally, Probably. like literally, yeah. literally, you should. It's not. There's going to be a short window here. Now watch. Now everyone's going to get aggressive. Yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. Be, yeah Everyone's yeah. going to go over there. Um, and if you are not uh, going to the game tonight at at Target Center, be this these tickets or otherwise, uh, always falling knife brewing company, um, an option for the games. Also, want to let you know that like on Sundays for for the Vikings games, I know they had that going last weekend. They will again this weekend for the Lions. Uh, Rectangle Pizza. It's it's a place uh, that we would would like for you guys to try out. Obviously, for Wolves games nights, that's probably the most fun uh, tonight. I think against the Pelicans will be great. But just keep in mind in your your work happy hour, just friends on a Saturday, and you're wanting to go to a brewing a brewery. Uh, keep following that brewing company in Northeast Minneapolis. 
on the top of your mind. All right, Chase, let's uh, let's keep going. I promise we will eventually get to a point of the podcast where we can talk about Jordan McLaughlin. But let's do advantages and disadvantages versus small teams uh, first here. Uh, let's do advantages um, against a, a small team. Again, this is more like the Kings, Thunder, Mavericks type teams that they've played recently. The first thing I've written down, but you want to go first? I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Um, a lot today, apparently. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a couple things down, but I do think that first and foremost, it, it is just like it's general. Like when you do it right, you can use advantage of your size so much in terms of like on the glass or like Rudy Duckins, like you know, Carl versus Carl on the post if the other team isn't doubling right away, like easy buckets there. Like I just think on the interior, there's so many forms of whether it's putbacks, you know, like feeding Rudy on lobs, feeding Ruby on seals, you know, like whatever. Like a lot of easy offense can come and and it's kind of like the demoralizing thing, I think, for the opponent where it's like, what are we even supposed to do? Yeah, here? I agree with that. Um, it's I don't think that the wolves always execute it correctly, uh, like just get enough of it, like take advantage of it enough um on a game to game basis. But I think like over the course of a series or something, like they would find a lot of those matchup mm-hmm. advantages um, and expose them. And I just think like their size can be a real problem uh, for sure on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah. It's interesting to think about over the course of a series, right? Where you go, yeah, I could see the wolves against a small team becoming problematic uh, on the offensive glass. Right. But it, but it, they're not a great offensive rebounding team. Like they're right. 20th in offensive rebounding, but I'm with you. Like I, I could see that. It's um, such a team where it's intentional. It's like, what are they intentional about doing on a night to night basis? And a lot of times it's not, you know, mm-hmm. they just not intentional on certain details on a matchup to matchup. But I think over the course of a series, they would get that coach into them. And, and also to that end, I mean, you're playing a small team. It's going to be double central on cat in the post. Mm-hmm. And the question is, you know, can Carl and the rest of the group be intentional about breaking that, you know, an advantage versus a small team should be that the Wolves make a bunch of threes because the lane is going to be packed, doubling Carl, loading up on Ant, bringing the tag man in for Rudy, whatever. Like the perimeter should be very open. I wouldn't say the Wolves are great at executing at this right now. I wouldn't say the Wolves are a great three-point shooting team. But again, in kind of the same vein as the offensive rebounding, the Wolves had a seven-game series against a small team. I think they would find ways to take advantage uh, of the three-point line because the opponent would be... I don't think you could just go against the Wolves and be like, all right, boxes and elbows, we're packing it into the paint for seven games, we're going to beat the Wolves. Like I do think Finch and this Wolves team is talented enough offensively to kind of figure that out, even if those aren't like the things that this Wolves team is great at in the macro this season. Yeah. And like, it's, it's almost like a game one thing. Like if Carl got the ball in the post and the team wasn't committed to doubling and then he scores a lot in game two, then if they're mm-hmm. sending instant doubles, they may after the first quarter, they'd be like, we're not doing that anymore. We're right. just going to pull them out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and right. those, those types of things, those quick adjustments that are generally pretty easy to make. Um, yeah. I, I think that, a small team, just like I don't, I just can never get that last year's Thunder game playing game out of my head. Mm-hmm. Like of like, wow, they're just physically just, just bigger and stronger, and yeah. like that matters. It matters maybe more in the playoffs than it does any other time when you can be sure. even more physical. Um, I just think that that should be that should be what it turns into. Like, would it? I don't know, uh, but that should be how it would play out. You see any of the Thunder Celtics game last night? A little bit. That was awesome. And yeah, and also, so I was like kind of working on this while. Yeah, yeah, I was watching that, and I'm like, and I wrote out the Thunder game thing, and 
offensive pass. I'm like, oh man, I I don't know. This Thunder team might just be different now, though. Like, they, no, they are. They like, are. It, and obviously, they are. But even to that point, like, I'm not even saying it's just Chet. It's like Jalen Williams looks like he weighs 18 pounds more than he did in the playoff game. Finally, and got an NBA go. offseason. You yeah, know, like, true. That's that, yeah. that matters a lot. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just look at OKC in Boston, and I'm like, these two teams like very similar you know like they just I know like personnel yes. wise they just look the same you know yeah. like i know that they have different guys and and obviously levels of experience and the players on the exact same like jason tatum isn't shade gildas alexander but you just look across the board and it's like they're constructed in such a similar way and stylistically how they play the right like i mean i've never seen a basketball game that was more intentionally spread a drive and kick right and and and, and it was like pretty too and they're moving the ball on the perimeter really well also, both have coaches in their 30s, I think, right? It's Dagnall, like late 30s, maybe 40 or something like that. And yeah. Zula's like 35. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting, damn God, I, I watched that last night. But I was thinking, I was like, okay, I always say this is an advantage against small teams is the playing game against the Thunder where they killed them because of the... Yeah, and, and glass, that's where the right? Thunder isn't the same thing anymore, you know, yeah. like, but... They but were just so small, but yeah, but it still yeah. is. It still I, should be. Yeah. No, you said the be. seven game thing. I agree with that. Yeah. Like it would be a point of intention. And I think this, I think this team, when Finch is like, this is what we have to like, like and they it's the do. same thing. Yes. Every single game. Like, I really think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the last thing I have on that, and it's just like, look at the stats. They get to the free throw line a ton against small teams. I guess that's intuitive, but also for, a below average offensive team like the Wolves, uh, you know, being able to get to the free throw line, getting ant to the free throw line in particular, I think that's typically who it is, right? It's it's going and attacking the rim and not having, you know, a lot of resistance there, I think leads to probably uh, more fouls. So that's a that's another advantage versus a small thing team. Wanna move over to disadvantages? Sure. Um, Wait, I, I think I had okay. uh, my other advantage was like yep. And this doesn't always play out in terms of like we've seen obviously some guys like SGA and Fox have big games and whatnot. But I can't get over the fact that like smaller teams, you know, they're probably guard led by guards. And like that should feed into Minnesota's best perimeter defenders. Like, I mean, they've got so many bodies that they should be able to throw on you. It doesn't always bear out. But I just think matchup wise, like we talk about how big teams can play through their like a like a Zion type guy. And now you're going at cat like if it's if you're playing through your wings, like Minnesota is built with. Ant, especially like a playoff defense level, Ant and Jaden and and Nikhil. Like yeah. you have so many different options of guys. Like they should be having to face a lot of resistance. Those guys on a night to night basis with Rudy lurking in the back. You know, like no, this I, is I a good say, one. We would have put this on there if Jaden was having a better season. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. and and I, I still think like there's still such a long season to go. Like mm-hmm. where Jaden will be come April, who knows? You know, like he could easily be back to like wow, you can't score on this guy. Yeah. I, my not just because I guess side tangent. What, what's your like one to ten concern level on Jaden stuff? Because you know I'm just reading emails and stuff like that, and it's you know I've got like six or seven. You know, should have they done the contract extension? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm not even trying to make fun of the people like people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. obviously yeah, yeah. my opinion is yes, and I I I think it was a a good rate there. I do recognize though Jaden has been the most like disappointing element of this season, I guess, in a really awesome year. I guess I'm still just in my head, assuming it's going to get better. I don't, I, I reference the three different injuries had in the past couple right. of months. I don't know. Sorry. Do you, 
We see mistraining camps. Mistraining camps do matter. I mean, they really yeah. like they impact people. Think of how bad, mm-hmm. you know, Carl looked at the beginning of last year and whatnot. Like it's it matters to miss, too. Yeah. yeah yeah it matters to like miss training camp or have it severely impacted um so rubio remember remember the when rubio came back how slow he looked yes yes and yes because he oh missed my training gosh. camp there too. yes <laughs> yep it looked like he was not an nba player i mean it really <laughs> no. didn't um yeah. it matters a lot and yeah and so now we yeah, we're you know 32 games into the season but like it might not be until february we're mm-hmm. like oh okay jane looks like he's he's coming into form i still head into every matchup be like well they have jane for this guy um you know so mentally like i haven't yeah. even adjusted much even though then every result comes at night and i'm like not not jane dominant but i think it's going to come over time i really do I, I i really do kind of write off like missing time with injuries and whatnot um missing training i, camps. I just get the sense and then like, nobody I, I don't know this but i like get the sense that there's just nagging little injury stuff not that like is close to needing him to miss time i just feel like the slight levels of discomfort i see him playing with i also randomly see him wearing a different pair of like shoes every practice or game or something and that's not always the case that's oftentimes like a player breaking in different pairs of shoes but a lot of the time you remember remember jeff uh, Jeff teague he was like, you know, he's like, there's only one pair of shoes I can play in anymore that like actually make my foot feel like it, you know, right. can right. work. And I've always kind of stored that in, in my like head. looking for answers. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or yeah, or maybe it's even just psychological. Right. And that wouldn't totally su- surprise me with Jaden either. But I'm I don't know. I I just do not have like alarm bells going off in my head about Jaden McDaniels. Just like it's got to get better. I think it can get better. Um, and I think once it starts getting better, he'll stop being so angry, you know, and right, that right. often, you know, makes him play better. But it is funny, like, you know, like it's not like it's been that bad, you know, from him, no, him no, either. No. And honestly, like if you didn't have like the juxtaposition of like what Nikhil Alexander Walker does, like if there was no Nikhil Alexander Walker in the past yeah. and it's like in past years, it was like when Jane wasn't out there, they didn't have anybody and it was like wow they mm-hmm. are bad defensively when right. he's not on the court and now there's somebody else where it's like oh he's he's a great defender too you know so now it's like was well, he defending better than Jaden? what's wrong with Jaden? it's like Nikhil's just really good defender too so if Jaden isn't at his peak you know then like mm-hmm. it can in comparison be like makes Jaden look worse than it would have in the past because any Jaden would have been better than no Jaden. still and we were looking this up together the other day Still 96 percentile. In right. That's an estimated plus minus. Still really good. You yeah. know, like it, it can be worse than the guy subbing in for you, but it can yeah. be really good. Yes, exactly. So, I okay, good. I'm going to touch on that a little bit. I just, that's definitely a message I've seen a lot more in the last 10 days. As, to yeah, be yeah. fair, like as the Wolves and Finch said yesterday at practice, the Wolves have kind of settled into a little bit more of being an average team. The, yeah. the past few weeks. Yes. Yeah. So what do we do? What do fans do? You know, look and be like, wait, what could be better? Jaden McDaniels is uh, for sure uh, an answer there. Okay. Uh, last last thing, disadvantages versus small teams. You want to start with one? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's just like the five out. I'm still not convinced as to how they would defend five out offense like on a yeah. night-to-night basis because sometimes it looks okay and it's always like, well, the other teams did miss some shots there. And I understand that a lot plays into that um mm-hmm. but there are some nights these teams generate decent looks um yeah either way and out of the five out more often than they do out of other offensive constructs um that's just the one that i feel like they can least impose themselves defensively um, 
for whatever reason i think it's just because there's always going to be some matchup you can attack or some like safety valve that you can release the ball to that takes off the pressure that minnesota had been applying throughout the possession Mm -hmm. um so that's my biggest thing is like i don't feel like they can be the best defense in the nba against a five out offense yeah nope i i had that i had that down too just in general the idea of kind of pulling Rudy a little ways away from the basket when, you know, he is such an instrumental layer of help to any angle of the floor where it's coming from there. And when the guy Rudy is guarding is not in the dunker spot, but instead in the corner or above the break, it's just, um, you know, for Rudy to be able to stay there, you are sacrificing that shot. And then that's like, then it becomes this Porzingis hit three threes on Rudy or Miles Turner or Al Horford or whoever um, to be able to maintain that integrity of your paint, you give that up to, to some extent. So that's, that's for sure a disadvantage for this team. I also, and this is a little bit more recency bias, but playing against a switching defense, mm-hmm. I think Huge. is a disadvantage for this team right now. Uh, what they never learned how to do it. Yeah, right. And it they never, I, mean, this, down. Yeah. I was going back to even like last year when they were struggling mm-hmm. with it and reading like Mike Conley giving quotes then of like, here's what we need to do. And they still don't do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't move the ball enough. They don't. It's and, okay. and that's what it does, man. I mean, that's what switching five does. That's the idea is you're like, yeah, we dare you to take this. We're switching one this one message matchup. here. We're, yeah. we're bogging you down. We're trying to kill your ball movement and make your best player score on us you know make, make the best player score and make everybody else feel like they're just not even in the game mm-hmm. and and that's that's something you team should be able to do but it's it's easier it is totally easier said than done because it kills ball movement and oftentimes leads to to more turnovers i think i think that's what you know the the worst matchup for the wolves i don't even know what team it is but the idea is that they can effectively switch five against the wolves and then that they can spread the floor I think so. It's probably a you know a a small team that's a little bit more sturdy, so you can you know guard Cat in the post. They can't totally take advantage of that or Rudy on the offensive glass. But yeah, this is there, there's there's holes to be poked in this team against a small but but strong team. Given what we've seen this year, I think particularly offensively against switching defenses and turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could like look up the quote but mike literally it was like we have to keep the ball moving keep screening keep like Mm -hmm. slipping some screens because the biggest thing with switching defenses is to really test the communication like on multiple actions over the same possession because eventually they'll screw something up um you know like if you slip a screen that's really that gets much more difficult against the switching defense and Mm -hmm. if you're doing it multiple actions like that was where the clippers were switching everything in the playing game two years ago. And yep. then there were a couple of times like where Minnesota kept running actions on the perimeter. And then with like five minutes left and had like this thunderous dunk where like the seas parted because the Clippers messed up a communication. Yeah. That doesn't happen if you just want to run one screen and roll to start the possession and then just ISO it up for 20 seconds. That's a good point. You got to go and go and go. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that, and that was like listening to Mike say that I was like, that makes a lot of sense. It's like you run mm. six things and eventually they're going to break down. Cause you know, it's hard yeah. to consistently switch every single thing um, with, not doing the exact same slow pick and roll over and over again. Um, that's how you test them and kind of find the little cracks in them. But Minnesota is too often. It's like a settle. It's like, okay, here's what we wanted. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm excited for the wolves to play the Clippers in, in the regular yeah, season. That'll be interesting. To, to see it. That's probably if I had to pick right now, the probably the worst matchup, I think, but I think the, 
which is funny because it's been a good matchup in the past because I, like I, and, yeah and Jaden do generally give like Paul George and Kawhi some trouble because they really get up for those matchups. I think it's just me being, and I think they probably will. I think Ant and Jaden would do that. It's, I think it's, it's the, but now you've got James idea. Harden and now you've mm-hmm. got, you know, like you've got a lot of different things. Yeah. And, and, you know, I need to watch more of the Clippers and everything there too. But the one thing against the Clippers or against any team like that, that I think is a disadvantage right now, but Carl could turn it into a strength is, being guarded and doubled by small teams. You know, I get when he's being guarded by Julius Randle, who's kind of just bigger and stronger than him, that he can't get that position deep there. But if they are playing the Clippers or whatever, just some random small team that you want to beat during the regular season, it needs to be like, but what it is, is it's like you've started the possession and you've already got your switch, right? You've already ran. Carl's come up for Ant and you've already got your switch. Like, you don't even need that. He's already got a small on him. And, and as, you know, Nas often does, to be fair, against like second unit smalls who switch onto him, he rolls him into the post and takes advantage of it there. That would be completely critical and necessary for Cat to do if the Wolves did play the Clippers or a smaller team in the playoffs is be able to take advantage of that. Um, and whether that's just scoring against a smaller player or navigating passing against double teams against smaller players, it is an absolute must, I think, for this team to beat that team. And I, it, it's not something he's been good at recently, but or in the past few years, but it has to be. I think it can't be a disadvantage versus a small team that Carl is being guarded by a small four. That is, That can't be a disadvantage. And if it is, yeah. they're going to lose the series. Yeah, there's two things. Like with the double, I it's just too slow because he's always looking to pass to an assist. I mean, that's he he wants to pass to the open guy who's going to score um, mm-hmm. where it's just like sometimes just get it out. And then the next guy can and then we can yeah. go around the horn and we'll get to, the defense is already shifting and scrambling back. Somebody's going to end up with an open. Yeah. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yep. Yep. And then mm-hmm. it's and then it's that. So it's like just make the easy pass. Don't look for like the who's wide open. Who am I going to get assist to here? Like a corner three on the opposite corner or a cutter. Like just mm-hmm. get it out. And then yeah. we are, and then we can attack from there and against in an advantageous position because they're kind of broken down already. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is like with the post ups, and I know you mentioned like how far out he starts his post ups sometimes and whatnot, and he can't get position. I mean, he, this goes back to tips. Like they have tried for years to get him to get down the court earlier. So it's fine to be a trailer sometimes. That's been yeah. like an advantageous position. But in other matchups, like when there's a small on you or something, Get down faster, and it's so much easier to get better position if you yeah. are not like running into the guy who's waiting for you at the perimeter. You know, like mm-hmm. bust your butt down the court, get that early position, and offense becomes ten times easier if you are in a good spot on the floor. I, I think he's going to do it. I think, think so. I think I really do. I think like last yeah. quartile of the season. No, both of these things. I okay. think he's going to start posting up deeper, and I think he's going to go to the corner because I think Finch at some point is going to have a sit down with him and he's waiting for the time for that of when it becomes an absolute must because you're any scout watching these games, you go, why the hell is Carl never in the corner? Why is Carl taking two corner threes this season? Why is Carl not deeper in there? And at some point it is a conversation that has to be had. And I think it's difficult to have that conversation to a really intense degree right now. One, because this team is winning. Yeah, yeah. And two, because Carl's already made so much sacrifice for this team. It does. And I'm not like, I'm seriously, I'm not brushing that off. Moving to the four, playing with Rudy, ceding power to Ant, all of that. Like Carl has done that. 
He has to get deeper post-ups and he has to play out of the corner sometimes. And Chris Finch, I think, will find a way. Because I actually believe in Finch's ability to do this. Like portray messaging. For portray sure. messaging and maybe over the course of time do it. Um I think so, man. Because I think this team's good. And I think and I think at some point Finch goes the absolute an absolute necessity from going from good to great is Carl doing those two things. And the corner spacing you can for sure do. The the posting up stuff is about playing stronger, being stronger, and and doing that. And Carl can do that too. Um I I I I got I think it's gonna happen. I really do. I I don't doubt that it would happen for a stretch of games. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think when somebody has been asked to do some of these things, like like the deep positioning his entire career, and it hasn't happened because it takes a lot of work to yeah. to, to to be on the defensive end and run down and get mm-hmm. better position and do that possession after possession after possession. Um, I think it's something maybe he does you can do for like five games after you have a sit down, but are you still doing it fifteen games after the sit down? You know, are you doing yeah. it? You know, like so. And for me, if I would deliver that message like two games before the playoffs started, <laughs> honestly, like I would be like, "There's 15 games of the regular season. I can't waste it right now because it might yeah. it might peter out again." Because, like, at some point, you just kind of revert to your tendencies. And if your tendencies have never been to do that, um, and you've had success doing other things, even if they aren't as successful now, can like, you make it a tendency in the regular season? I think that's the, well. Then that then why yeah. then why would you wait until later? If you're trying to make it a tendency in the regular season, why would you wait until later? Yeah, and I think they are trying. I think there's just like a, there's a handful of different things offensively right now. Yeah. You know, can Ant settle back into a little bit more of a playmaking mode? Can they move the ball better? Can the spacing in the Kyle lineup? You know, there's there's a handful of offensive issues right now that are bigger than Carl playing in the corner. They yeah, are. yeah. Oh, wait. Like this yeah. is not the yeah. top of the importance list. Uh, people, it people will gonna, be important against a small team in a playoff series. Those, I mean, those things have to happen. I think people like there's often this thing like you guys hate Ant or whatever, like because it can be like he'll score like 14 in the first quarter. And it's like, that's great. Nobody else got involved in the offense at all. Um, and then it just leads to like the sticky basketball because it was sticky all the whole first quarter. And it's hard to reverse course. And like if you bring that up during the game, people are like, he's the only one doing anything. It's like. I'm just telling you like what I'm seeing. And then like Chris Finch after the games and the next day of practice is like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have no ball, but I don't care if you score 14 in the first quarter or six. Um, I would like to get everybody involved in the action because the things you're doing in the first will be there later. Like, let's make everybody feel involved here. Um, it's, I, I just think they've got to move the ball more. And those are the things like I, you worry about that in the playoffs. We worry about that against switching defenses. We worry about that every day. Like mm-hmm. you're fighting your tendency to not want to move the ball. Um, to not trust that the ball is going to come back to you in a more advantageous position 10 seconds later in the shot clock. Uh, these are things that, like, Britt brought it up. He's like, you know, and Cat and Ant can even be more effective if the ball is moving, right? Like, I'm assuming that's something you're harping on. And Finch is like, every day, wish you yeah. could be at our film sessions. We're talking about it every single day. <laughs> you know, like, it's these are the things with their offense. It's like, that's got to become second nature. Right. Today's show is brought to you by Doer, D-U-E-R, and my Doer jeans are the most comfortable piece of clothing I own. I've really been wearing them everywhere recently. I wore them to Christmas Eve dinner, and then I wore them to the Wolves-Lakers game a few days later because they're formal enough to pull off for a dinner and comfortable enough to be more casual. What I love most about these pants is that they actually make me like jeans again. Uh, before Doer sent me some of these jeans, honestly, I just wasn't a jeans guy. I didn't like the feeling of super stiff denim. 
But Dewar jeans are my go-to because they're not stiff like that. Dewar stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel is designed for all-day comfort and durability. They have styles for men and women that can be worn all year round. Dewar's denim is antibacterial, which means less washing, made of temperature-regulating fabrics for moisture management. The performance denim fabric has cool max technology, keeping me cool and dry in any weather and the fireside. And all weather denim styles are perfect for staying warm. Dewar clothes are sustainably crafted, so they'll last in my closet for years. I absolutely love my Dewar jeans, and I know you will too. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdewar.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use the special URL, shopdue.com slash Dane Moore. You'll want to take advantage of this because Dewar never goes on sale. Don't wait. Get 15% off now by going to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, I have that clip here. I'll, I'll I'll play that. This is Fincher practice yesterday. So yeah, I think we need to kind of get the get get the ball moving again. Get back to having more structure, um, better spacing. A lot of our turnovers are you know result into poor spacing right now. A lot of that poor spacing is a result of people just holding indecision, not knowing what your teammates going to do with the ball, and now you start like kind of milling around. So, so lack of ball movement. And poor shot selection seems to contribute to just about everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, like the rebounds. The no doubt about it, yeah. We don't get offensive rebounds. We off, you know, transition defense gets exposed a little bit. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So. And you preach this, obviously. Every and, day. And film. Yeah, you, you should come to film. <laughs> you should come to film. Yeah, we, we've spent a, lot, a large part of this season, like, fighting, um, fighting the defense a bit, you know, not um, playing with enough, like, um, you know, kind of just uh, trust in what we're doing and taking what the defense has given us. And, um, you know, we, we, we need those guys to do what they do well. We need Ant to be an ISO scorer. We need Cat to be a tough cover at all different levels of the floor. But we don't need them to do it every single time down. Um, and they, they, they have to have the burden of creating good offense for themselves for their teammates and for each other. So, and we have not been able to strike that balance consistently yet. Until we do, we're not going to take a step forward. That's a great answer. And and it's also why, like, you know, and sometimes and whatever, this is fine and it happens on Twitter or Reddit or whatever, but there's I I've never found my personal disagreements with Finch being that big. You know, or certainly not yeah. to the extent of like being like, oh no, this isn't the right coach for the job. And I think part of the difference is 
is I hear him saying those things every day at practice and, you know, post game and, and all this sort of stuff. Like I think Finch is very aware of the task at hand. I think he very much knows these things have to happen uh, to, to be a good, you know, to be a good, great team. And they're kind of trying to, you know, plug the one hole <laughs> and then another water spurt is going to come out elsewhere. But I think Finch is just like, you know, one thing at a time, can we get ball movement back? Okay. Can we get that? Like, it's going to be a progression and it's why it's nice that there's 45, 50 games left in the season is they, it's so critical to figure out the answers to these things over the course of the season, kind of one at a time. So you have, you know what those answers are when it's presented to you uh, in, in a playoff series. I think, I think we just underestimate how much a coach is fighting against the human nature of players. <laughs> Right. Like, like they are constantly like getting the messages of like, here's winning basketball. Here's good basketball. Like, think of like, who's won the last couple of titles, like Golden State and Denver. Like how have they like their offenses? It's so like mm -hmm. it's movement based. It's making the right play again and again and again, you know, like and and that's the hardest to defend in the playoffs. I mean, I, I cannot over overstate enough, like watching right. Kobe Bryant talk about the easiest thing to do is just to defend a pick and roll. Cause I know what you're going to do and I know where you're going. And that's mm -hmm. the easiest thing that we can do. Um, like it's, it's movement. It's making the right decision. It's multiple actions. Like how do you get into that? And like, it's just not the second nature of like a cat an ant, those types of things. So they've had success doing it, you know, the isolation way um, sure. for their entire careers. Ant scores a lot now. It's just like, is that the best for the team's offense? You know, like, Sometimes it looks like not. And the human nature part is like they were doing really well. Like it was doing a really good job making decisions. And then they lose one game to mm -hmm. OKC. Yeah. And his he, best game was argu arguably the Kings game right before that. Yes. Yes. Yep. And then they lose one game in OKC and he gets it in his head. He said it afterwards. I don't want I let bullets in the chamber. Like I didn't shoot enough. I didn't score enough. If I would have scored more, we would have won that game. It's like, that's not why you lost that game. But mm -hmm. that's what's in his head. He's like, that's what I could have done more. And so every game since then, he's making sure that he's not leaving shots on the table. And they've had some arguably like he's posted good numbers, but they've had some arguably some of their worst team offense. Yeah. Since then. So it's like constantly like trying to reset. It's like, that's not that's not what we need. That's not like the best basketball for us, you know, mm -hmm. like and, and now it's like getting back into it. OK, remember, here's what we want. Here is well. what's good for you and everybody else, you know, but it's constantly like as a coach, the problem's never solved. Like you're always kind of working at. <clears throat> you know, just chipping away at it, um, trying to ingrain into here's what we need. Here's what's best for this team. A small answer to, to that. And just like getting a couple more small things to work in terms of ball movement and offense overall, a small thing that could contribute to that. And you wrote about it yesterday. It's kind of been the topic du jour for the last 48 hours is Jordan McLaughlin. And well, first of all, I should start by playing the, the, the clip that said that Finch is basically you know, going to play J-Mac. This is what Finch talked last game after the game last night about how J-Mac has kind of really like made an impression. And yeah. And how, how do you make decisions on when to alter the rotation in a meaningful and like long-term way in terms of how you guys are playing? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, honestly J-Mac's getting to the point where he's going to grab the spot and we'll, you know, we'll see what he can do. Um, but we still have three different guards who have three different skill sets, so we're still going to leave ourselves the flexibility to maybe do go a different direction. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of the big things for him, just the way that he injects pace but also doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, it seems like he does a pretty good job. At yeah, I mean, it's not just the turnovers. I mean, it's just it's the, like he makes the system go. He does all the things we know J-Mac can do. Um, 
you know, and we thought and still believe at times that, you know, both Shake and Troy could give us other dimensions. Um, and so, yeah, like, you just sometimes you just got to cycle through this stuff, yeah. Jace, what uh, impact do you think it would have having Jordan McLaughlin in the line? And, and you know, and maybe the answer is not that big if it's just for like 13 minutes a game. Right. But also, sometimes it can be if you have one person doing the things that this team, uh, any team needs, even if it's just like a couple morsels of that. Um, I think we've seen that previously with this team or the other teams. It kind of then transcends. Seems like you're kind of in the mindset that plugging J-Mac in has a chance to be able to do that. that that's how I feel, too. I don't know if it is a team overhaul. Yeah. I like to think in my mind um, that if you have a somebody go in there for eight minutes or whatever and in, he is injecting pace and ball movement in that it's infectious and it carries over. And I, yeah. I tend to believe that that can be true. And then I think the New York game and when he subbed out, it went total isolation heavy. Mm-hmm. Awful basketball for the last five minutes, and they didn't. They hardly scored. Um, so, like, I don't know. Um, I I think it can carry out, but uh, and I know that obviously gets into clutch time too, and you're trailing, and then that's when like the worst tendencies tend to come out, guys. Uh, sure. But but I think in, in general, like if you if with the bench unit can have more pace, then that's easier for and movement, then that's easier for the starters who finish the second quarter or whatever, or yeah. you know come back in in the fourth to maintain uh, versus having to establish it on their own when sometimes the second unit mm-hmm. because of spacing or whatever. Uh, we're having a difficult time generating good offense. Yeah, it's. I also think just from Finch's answer there, it sounds like it's gonna be J Mac, but not with any plan of necessary permanence. You right. Know? There's no long term there. Like it was for now. You know? Yeah, and I think it probably is that until the trade deadline, right? Yeah. Where in theory you bring someone in to be that ninth guy or to you know, to replace somebody that's already in the rotation and that kind of gets it. I think they're trying to figure out for now in this iteration of this roster, what this team needs, um, who that ninth man will be. And right now it, you know, J-Mac makes a lot of sense for that, given what this team isn't doing in that they're turning the ball over so often the pace isn't there. The, I mean, I thought it was interesting yesterday when the first thing that Rudy brought up about Jordan McLaughlin was toughness. Yeah, right. And unselfishness. And he said that the things, all the things we need right now. Um, and yeah, I I don't know. It it seems like a a stretch to assume that this minimum level contract backup point guard could come in and have a profound impact on on the group overall. And I'm not saying I'm betting on that, but I could see it happening. Because it does feel like exactly what this team needs. Maybe it was an oversight to go into the season without a backup point guard plan. Like, there's enough things together. It's like, okay, if J-Mac checks like these five or six boxes in a minimal role, it might have. It might have a big impact. But you're right. The It it certainly didn't stay that way after J-Mac checked out of the game for the last five minutes of, of the Knicks game. So, you know, we'll see. And I think that's where Finch is at with it, too. Like, we'll see. It's playing for yeah, and I and I still think like there are some games where like the opposing bench or whatever is just too big where they just don't yeah. feel like they want to go to J Mac. And maybe they'll go eight that game, maybe they'll give Troy Brown mm-hmm. some minutes. I just don't think it's like a lock that every single night J Mac will be out there. But I do think just like uh that's the base plan. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of 
opponent right now, the base plan is for J-Mac to be that ninth guy. Yeah. I mean, however many minutes that equals on any given night. Um, and and ninth spots are fluid on a lot of teams. Right. You know, like that's not an uncommon type of thing. Um, and it seems like we're making such a big deal out of the ninth spot, the smallest right, right. role on the team. But it's like, man, that that bench just feels like it needs something a little bit different. Yeah, a and little. Maybe it can happen. In a little that. juice, a little burst, like whatever. Yeah. Like I thought Finch, it was like, I asked, I was like, does this kind of have to do with just the team's deficiencies too, as much as how J-Mac is playing when he mm -hmm. comes in? And it's like, he's like, I can't ask Troy Brown Jr. to make threes if we're not moving the ball. Right. You know, so it's like, it's like J-Mac, he's like in his own way, can more than like a shake or a Troy can generate good offense on mm -hmm. his own. Like he can be a solution for that. Like uh -huh. he literally with the ball in his hands and the way he plays does kind of himself create good offense and they right. just need good offense as many minutes as possible right now because that has been where they have deteriorated probably the most just in recent games yeah um let's uh let's wrap this up by just talking about the the pelicans game briefly i want to do that we can kind of do that while mixing in our our prize picks segment here um I was looking up pricepicks.com, pricepicks app, promo code uh, Dane, if you want to play along with us. I always feel like these numbers are interesting in that they paint the the public perception, right? They're trying to nail the the middle of it. One one I noticed here was Jaden McDaniels, his more or less than for this game against the Pelicans tonight is two and a half rebounds. And it's like, one, I'm like, oh my gosh. Jaden McDaniels needs to have more than two and a half rebounds uh, in this game. And I think he will, but it's like, there's a reason they're, they're setting that there. That's something Jaden hasn't uh, been doing. And I think it's something Jaden absolutely has to do against a big team. Like let's assume that cat is guarding Zion and Gobert is guarding Valanciunas. Well, then when it is Valanciunas or Zion scoring, like then Jaden is becomes a help defender. Jaden becomes a weak side rebounder. Uh, those sort of things. So that was the one that, that stood out to me most was Jaden McDaniels more than two and a half rebounds in this game. And then also because it's been a trend of late, Anthony Edwards' turnover number is is at uh, three and a half. And I had, I said, let's I'll take more than three and a half turnovers uh, for Ant in this game, just given how the offense has been uh, recently. But just give me your, your general thoughts uh, about this matchup and maybe who uh, on the Wolves can most sort of benefit from uh, this matchup uh, against the Pelicans. Ant's number's 28 and a half points. Jade McDaniel's number is 11 and a half points. Towns, 21 and a half points. Mike Conley, 11 and a half. Rudy Gobert, 13 and a half. Uh, who, who do you think this is a good matchup for? Well, first of all, I just wanted to comment on the Jaden rebounds. Like the yeah. last four games, one rebound, three rebounds, zero rebounds, one rebound. Yeah. No, I, you I, know, I, so like, it's like, it's not a crazy number at all. No. <laughs> you know, like, two it and feels half. crazy though. Yeah, it does. It's like, oh, he'd have more than that. Um, frankly, like just the way he's played recently, like 28 and a half for Ant feels like a number that you would yeah. go over um, because he's consistently doing that. Sure. Um, just like in the way he is playing right now um, and the way he's attacking and just how aggressive he's been, I would take over on that for Ant every time right now until there's like a shift in what they do. Um, yeah, no, we're, because... we're assuming the trend is what you said, bullets in the chamber, and he's going to continue doing that. I, I, I believe he's going to continue doing that. I think Finch and others are going to try and, you know, maybe move him off that a little bit. But uh, since he said it after the Thunder game, uh, dude's been gunning. And, mm. and to that end, yeah, I think like, and he can. He can score them. <laughs> like right. he, he absolutely right. can. I have I have zero doubt about Anthony Edwards' ability to get 30 in any matchup. The only question is, can he get that 30 
in a way that is beneficial to the other four players uh, right. around him on the floor. But for this, yeah, it's like I probably I probably would say uh, Ant more than more than twenty eight and a half uh, points in that one. I guess I didn't really look up what the. They don't, they don't have pelicans. They don't have numbers. They don't know they're, who's playing. That, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, God, I, if Zion is playing, I don't know. I, I don't know what the number would have to be for me to not take uh, the over on, uh, on on Zion in this match. I think because, his numbers are usually in like the low twenties too. So like, yeah, I mean, like twenty two and a half or something like that. And, and you know, and hopefully the Wolves do have an answer for that, or maybe it's a little bit different than Randall or not. But we're, this is what we're kind of talking about, right? But we're going off of trends of what this team has been recently, and that's why the rebound number for Jaden is is so low. That's why the turnover number for Ant is so high. Uh, his points are are high. Maybe should be higher. Like this is this is the cool part I think about NBA, you know, daily fantasy is. If you're really paying attention, I think you can have a little bit of an advantage. You know, you're not going to hit these these all perfectly, but you know, for for people who are caring and you know watching this team, I think this is a this is a, a fun thing to be able to do, or you know, or disagree with the trends that we're talking about. Be like, oh no, it's going to be now. It's going to be cat, you know, and cat's going to sure. have thirty tonight. The number's twenty one and a half for him. Like yeah. that that Maybe might be like be like, oh, Herb Jones would be on Ant, and then mm-hmm. then it's yeah. a cat matchup, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Prizepicks.com, Prizepicks app, uh, promo code Dane for a $100 sign-up bonus. I'm I'm interested by this game tonight. I think the Pelicans are like as big of a team as anybody in the NBA. I think we like think they aren't because CJ McCollum's on the team. You're like, oh, he's like a small two, but it, their one Conley. is like Herb you Jones. Know? You yeah, know? right, like, right, right. It's a, they are bi is huge at the three. Um, it this is, and they have the rebounding offensive rebounding force at the five. This lineup tests, I think the Pelicans lineup tests their disadvantages against a big team as much as as much as any does with the Zion at the four, Carl guarding him, JV at the five. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a big team. And the Wolves are a big team too. They don't always play like it. Uh, to beat the Pelicans tonight, they'll uh they'll have to play like it. Any just thoughts or prediction on the game? Nope. Hope the Pelicans play. <laughs> So I, mean, I thought the line was like yeah. six and a half or something, which I was like, that could just literally yeah. be a back-to-back line. Um, just because, you know, you just, you don't have the exact same juice in the second half of a back-to-back mm-hmm. as you do on the front end. Right. Um, but it was big enough where I was like four and a half. I'd be like, that's just the back-to-back line. Six and a half. I'm like, does Vegas think somebody's sitting? Yeah. Or, or I think it's kind of like splitting it. I think if Zion yeah, is rolled out, it's good to like eight and a half or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, I, I hope they play too because this is the fourth and final matchup against the Pelicans this year, right? And, and we'll have zero if they don't play. We have yeah. zero mad evidence of. And then I'm going to be so pissed about that when we're like previewing a playoff series if that happens. We'll be like, okay, Zion didn't play in this game. Zion goes for 39 or whatever he did in that one game, and Ant didn't play in that game because it was after the hip. Yeah, that um, would be the ESPN graphic of like, yeah, series breakdown. Wolves won the season series three to one. And be like, yeah. Yeah, point differential is massive. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we'll we'll hope that 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 happens uh, tonight. Um, if y'all want to check out Jace's uh, article, um, basically titled "It's J Mac Time." Um, what do we got here for Timberwolves? It's Jordan McLaughlin time. Uh, is that up on the stage? No, there you go. So check this out. Uh, Jace noted Jordan McLaughlin. Stan wrote about. Jordan McLaughlin and being a part of this uh, Timberwolves rotation going forward. Pioneer Press 
Um, and obviously you can follow Jace on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Anything else, Jace? No, thanks for letting me talk. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have Jace back uh, next week. The plan um, tomorrow is Kyle's uh, going to join me. Um, we're going to kind of push for it out for this weekend. He's writing tomorrow morning, and I have to record tomorrow morning. So I think uh, no Brit pod uh, this week. But, but Kyle and I will talk about the Pelicans game tomorrow morning. Until then, he's Jace. I'm Dane. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah I'm Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.